Hey, hey, hey. Hello. <laughs> what was that, Haley? That was me just trying to not say hello. I know you do that a lot, don't you? Every single podcast, you're like, hello. I know. Hello, guys. I remember the first one, I was like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I, I like that. That, that. kind of sounded like that. Yeah. No, I think it sounds good. You're like, it just seems chill. You're just Very down to hang. chill. Like, when I greet you on the street, I'm like, yo, yo, yo. And Haley's going to be like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah, that should be your thing from now on. From now on, every time we greet each other. If we remember. <laughs> Nobody hold us accountable. Um, speaking of holding accountable. Oh, goodness. Um, I uh, would like to formally. Oh, goodness, guys. I would like to formally apologize to you, Anissa, and to the listeners for not knowing my states. Um, yes, Okay, I'm just going to say it. Yes, I fully said that West Virginia was not a state, <laughs> but I want to like formally apologize that I now know West Virginia is a state, and I'm sure I knew it, but under pressure, I just said no. Yeah, so if you guys don't remember in our last podcast, <laughs> um, I had mentioned like West Virginia or like Virginia yeah. in, my, in the story I was doing, and I asked Haley if like yep. it was too. I was like, you know, Haley would definitely know this. She's a, she's in her master's program. Like, oh! she, she knows stuff. Surely so, she knows something about but the world. But yeah, when she didn't, it was quite hilarious. I <laughs> hope everyone felt free to roast her in the comments. Um, yeah. She could take it. Yeah. So I am so glad that you can publicly just admit that you just didn't know. Yes. It's a step no. Forward for sure. Literally, I asked my dad who served in the army like a straight up like go usa and go i was <laughs> i was like dad um west virginia like it's a state right and he looked i mean i just wish i could show you guys his face this man was like um yes and i'm like okay cool 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 yeah I, yeah, yeah no, i knew that, that. and then sure. i ended up just telling him and he was like oh my gosh and you kept that in the podcast and i was like <laughs> i sure did <laughs> because you know what here i am i'm just making mistakes but Anyways, I wanted to make up for that and apologize and also be able to tell you guys a little bit of West Virginia's history. Ooh, some educational. Yes. So a quick little bit is their little state motto of West Virginia is the mountain tears are always free. The mountain tears? Are always free. Like actual mountains? Mountaineers. Mountaineers. Sorry, that is another mistake (laughs) I've made. Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) All right, she's very strong, guys. Never mind, (laughs) I can't read. Yes, I'm reading from the internet. No, it's not Wikipedia. Okay, and so, anyways, that that there's that. They're the 35, 35th. Just go ahead and just take my mic. Um, state in the union. They were admitted into the union um, as a 35th state in the. My dog just hit my phone. Um, on June 20th, 1863. Wow. So there's just that for you guys. Um, you know, I felt like that maybe made up for a little bit of it. It seems like a nice state. There's a bunch of mountains there. Um, if we have any <laughs> listeners that are from either of these two states that we have now both found out there is two, Haley yes. apologizes yes. to you. <laughs> and we hope she make, made it up to you. Yes, I, I hope so, and please accept my apology, everybody, and yes, I hope I didn't offend you. And <laughs> so anyways, welcome, welcome to guys. our Back podcast. To... Um, I'm Haley. I'm Anissa. And we're just so excited. Um, today I'm presenting a case, and we're excited to get to it. Haley, I'm so excited to hear what you have, and I hope you guys are too. So grab your bottle of wine and get ready to hear some true crime.
All right. So today I am going to talk about the murder of Dominique Ellen Dunn. Um, she this happened in like 1980s ish. Okay. So it's a little bit. Um, it's not like a recent thing. Um, so I'm just gonna kind of just jump right into the background of who Dominique is to kind okay. of get this thing started. So. Dominique was born on November 23rd, 1959, in Santa Monica, California. She's living that good life Ooh, in Santa Cali. Monica, California. I've never been, but I've always wanted to go, and I just hear so many great things. I've always wanted to go to California, too, but, like, my parents went before they had kids, uh-huh. and they did all the fun trips and stuff before they had kids, oh, and then, course. like, when they had kids, of course, they just right. stopped going to the cool places, and yeah. now all we go to is Branson. <laughs> right, and, like, but, somewhere really close. <laughs> yeah, so California, super lavish life. Yeah, I know. It's, it seems nice there. Um, all right, and so she was the daughter of Dominic Dunn, who, at the time, her oh. family was pretty what? Dominic and Dominique. Yeah, no, I sometimes get a little confused when I I was like researching. They were like, "Yes, that's the name I want for my child." (laughs) When they have them like either rhyme or they all start with like a C or something, you know how people do that every like, which it makes sense. Like all the guys in my family, like my immediate family, Uh all start with J's except my dad. Yeah, like I love how people just kind of do that. They have like some sort of theme and they just go with it. Um, But so he actually, since they were in California, you know, you got some famous people out there. Um, he was a writer, a producer, and an, and an investigative journalist. Mm. So, um, he kind of was, like, behind the scenes a little bit, but he was kind of known in, like, Hollywood type of California-ish stuff, like, people knew him. Um, and then her mom, Ellen, which that's her middle name, so I see how there's, like, some little... Okay. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um which they call her Lenny, but her name is Ellen Griffin Dunn. She was an actress and also like an activist um, in the community as well. So very, um, you know, they're kind of like already kind of stars, I guess. I don't really know how to like, put well it. They're well known. Yeah, they're the like community. kind of a little famous. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, but they're a very close-knit family. Um, it was Dominique, her parents, and then she had two older brothers. Before Dominique was born, her parents... Um, had two her mom like was pregnant with two daughters like individual like not twins but like two daughters um and then in infancy they lost both of them so um and it was due to back in the day there was like um a common uh it was well it was called high high highland highland membrane disease i don't really know i've never heard of that before yeah no but it was actually pretty common back in the day with c-sections and i don't think so like obviously not as much anymore right now because i haven't heard of it but it was way more common back then and and it's like a lung disease um and so both of the daughters had um passed away from that when um they were infants so it's really sad but it was really sweet because um i'll bring up this article a little bit throughout the case but a vanity fair article was done um, where Dominic, he talks about um, Dominique because, you know, later she ends up getting murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, Dominique was all three daughters in one to us, triply loved. So it was, like, really sweet because it was, mm-hmm. like, they're, like, this was our daughter who, like, did survive and did make it. And, like, it's kind of a tribute to their two daughters that didn't. Yeah. And he was, like, we love her literally so much. So they were a very close family, like, very yeah. tight and, like, really close with one another and um yeah just we're always looking out for each other too so i thought that was a really sweet um thing that dominic had said 
But anyway, so people that were close with Dominique would describe her as loving, kind, and very determined. Um, she was just truly someone who, you know, you would just, you would feel like you could talk to her. She was very welcoming, very sweet, um, down to earth. It was just one of those people. You ever know, like, those people are you just like, man, I just want to be around you because you just, like, seem so great. Like, you're just, like, yeah, a Haley, good it's person. You. Oh, that was so good. You see her complimenting me. I see how Yeah, that was so smooth. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, yeah, so she was very determined, and this showed in her pursuing her uh, dream to be an actress. So she already kind of had the ends maybe a little bit with her family, but, she, you know, obviously you have to put in work. And mm-hmm. so um, within three weeks of her deciding that this was her dream and this is something she really did want to go for, um, she got her first role, like three weeks. I feel oh, like dang. that's so hard to do, like it, from just what you hear with like the music industry and just yeah. with acting and things like that, like you, it takes a long time for you to really get that built up. So... She was in some roles um, that um, have been kind of popular. There was the movie, I think this was like her biggest role, um, the movie Poltergeist. Um, She was in The Shadow Riders, Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker, and just a lot of other random TV shows and things like that. Um, So like I said, she was up and coming. She was just like this brand new young star, just super excited and determined and just a great person. So... A little uh, side note, actually, about Poltergeist. Um, it's like a scary... I don't really remember the documentary. I'm sure some of you guys listening have have seen it or have heard about it. Um, but there's actually a curse that surrounds this... Um, like It's like a known curse that people like associate with this movie. Because supposedly... If you watch the movie? Well, supposedly the people who like were... Um, there's like mysterious deaths that come from the people who were acting in this movie and the people on set as well. Um, I'm sorry if I get her name wrong again, but um, her name, the co-star of um, Dominique was Heather O'Rook, I don't know, and she actually died um, with a, like, a weird, like, illness that I think wasn't very common or something. Whenever I was looking stuff up, I found only a little bit about it, but, like, it was just weird. There's, like, people who just died after this movie basically so there's like this curse and again i didn't look too far into it but thought that that was something interesting just to like mention so yeah basically um that's like the background of dominique um just to get you a little bit into her life and maybe what it looks like for her how did she say she was again so she she was 22 when she died okay um so yeah but I'm just going to get right into it. There's no there's no secrecy this time. Um, I'm just going to let you all know this Let's John Thomas happened. Sweeney. Watch out for this man. Sweeney. That name sounds familiar for some reason. I know, reason. doesn't it? I wonder. I, I don't know if it's just like someone else who's popular or something mm-hmm. or popular, famous or a celebrity. <sighs> it was just on the tip of my tongue. I don't remember. I keep going though. Okay. So I'm just going to get right into it. Um, she met her boyfriend, John, in 1981. Okay. So... They were at a party, and John, he is a sous chef at this very exclusive restaurant where the party was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, he's, like, the the second guy, you know, like, the second in command. <laughs> um, like, that's a big role to have. Mm-hmm. And, like, this restaurant was so exclusive, they didn't even have, like, a number to call. What? Isn't that so crazy to think that's about? That's strange. So like, you, you get you your to... business solely from, I guess, celebrities just knowing you and just having the you gotta ends. got to know someone. Yeah, so in. I feel like that shows the exclusive, like part that I'm like kind of mentioning and it was just very high up and um yeah so he was working that party and then that's how they met was at the party um when he was working um and a little bit of background on 
uh, John was that he was born in 1956, so he is seven years older than Dominique. Okay. Um, and he, like I said, was a sous chef at the restaurant Ma Maison. Um, and then, so basically, John, he was just your, you know, your average dude, um, but he did have some harsh um, things growing up. He had an alcoholic father who frequently abused his mom. Um, which is always just such a sad thing to hear about. Um, I mean, imagine just how, you know, I know that that is not something that is rare. And so it makes me really sad whenever you hear about that and to know that he's got something to do with this later on. I feel like not definitely you do not need to be a murderer, but I think that it, it, I don't know, it just makes me really sad to hear. And then, um, so he grew up with that. And then he also was just very into um, just kind of, figuring out where he could stick in society if that makes sense so he was he was always looking i don't know how to explain it but he was always looking for um a way to get famous he wanted to be in the in the light he wanted to be um just he wanted to be seen as a famous person so i mean that's why he was kind of around all these celebrities doing all these things he was trying to get the in so did he like try to like befriend these celebrities or like trying to like suck up to them i guess into terms just that's like what it trying kind of to sound- like get an in yeah that's what it kind of sounded like that he would do whatever to kind of be a part of that lavish life yeah. is what he was sort of looking for which may have to go back to his childhood maybe he felt like he was overlooked and maybe he felt i mean i don't know but mm-hmm. it seems like from what i've read and the things i've heard of people quoting things it's like he wanted this life that he was really striving for but just couldn't reach so he kept striving for more yeah. which is never bad to have goals but there's that again um but anyway so they hit it off at this um him and dominique hit it off and they ended up dating um and then after a few weeks uh they actually moved in together a so, few weeks yeah so they weren't dating long Talk and about moving it fast. was a quick yeah i mean love at first sight i wouldn't know it but maybe that's what <laughs> it is who I mean, knows i don't know if that's love at first sight but <laughs> <laughs> right yeah watch out but um yeah so anyways they basically just hit it off and after moving in together, Dominique started to realize, um, you know, the classic, he's not the person I thought he was. Of course he's not the pers- person you thought he was because yes. you've only known him for two weeks and, and now then, you're living with him. Right. And then living together, it's always you learn more about somebody. Um, and so basically he started to become more jealous, possessive, and controlling. Shocker. Right. <laughs> yes. So, and... Um, Eventually, he was mentally and physically abusing Dominique. So there's just like this whole bunch of information I just threw at you guys about their backgrounds, how they met and all these things. And I I just wanted to slow down for a second and kind of just bring awareness to abusive relationships and just um, all of that. And I wanted everybody to know, too, that there's no judgment from me in terms of this relationship and things like that. Like, oh, she should have left. She shouldn't have left. I'm going to go through all the events leading through it. But... I just think that as I was researching more and looking up statistics of abusive relationships, like it's so easy for us on the outside, even people with your, like, let's say your best friend or your family member being involved, it's it's harder to say something than to actually do it. Yeah. So they could be trying to leave, but someone keeps coming, making them come back or threatening them or whatever it may be. And so I think that I just want to put that out there too, that for anybody, it, it's just hard. I mean, you don't really know sometimes what it, what it's like because you're not in it um and so i completely agree Haley, and i'm so glad you pointed that out because it's like something that like it needs to be said and people need to like understand and it needs to be talked about yeah for sure yes so i have this statistic and it's from um 
it wasn't it's in 2001 but i just also wanted to bring this up because this is kind of the only thing i could find that was like for sure like legit mm-hmm. um for what i was looking up but also i wanted to just even bring awareness to more of the fact that these numbers might have risen since 2001 but it's a national institute of justice like a research article about the cycle of violence so i'm like i was thinking through i'm like okay he it's very common to hear of somebody who is in an abusive household growing up maybe were abused or saw the abuse and then to later do those things to somebody else um and so basically being this is a quote from the article being abused or neglected as a child increases the likelihood of arrest as a juvenile by 59 percent and as an adult as 28 percent and for a violent crime by 30 percent so Altogether, seeing um, being neglected or abused as a child just increases the amount of crime, basically. Um, and it just makes me sad because for for people who go through that, I just wish that there was more. Yeah, I just want people to have more resources and all those things. So I just wanted to bring more awareness to that um, and just let you guys know that um, that's something I'm thinking about and keeping aware of as I'm talking about this. All right, so now that I've gotten that whole um spiel done i'm gonna get back to the case um and a little bit more about this whole john wanting to live the lavish life uh they actually found letters written by dominique um after her murder and it mentioned just john being kind of obsessed with her why are you so obsessed with this (laughs) that was perfect (laughs) that was kind of perfect and it kind of scared me because it was so good timing okay sorry just stuck in my head all right back to being serious guys (laughs) But um, it was sort of like, uh, and the Dominic even mentions this in the Vanity article that he like talks about Dominique and her murder and stuff. But it it's kind of like Dominique was his ticket, was John's ticket to the lavish life mm-hmm. because she was this like young, bubbly, kind, loving, um, up and coming actress. And she knew people. Yeah, and after three weeks, she's already gotten a role. I mean, it was kind of the perfect per- person to like latch onto. To kind of get drugged to the top, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's how I kind of think about it. Um, but in her letter, a quote by her was that um, he doesn't love me. He loves the idea of me. So interesting that Dominique was already kind of aware of this. And that, who knows when she wrote this at what point in the re- relationship, whatever. But it was interesting to think that she was like, huh, actually the way that I like him is very different than how he likes me. Yeah. Um, like the idea of me. So that's just a little bit more about that. And I wanted to kind of just break break down the relationship um, in terms of the abusive incidents that have kind of happened between them to show what monster John really was. Um, so one of the first incidents, and there's just like about four or five, but um, that I'm sure there was a thousand more, but um, these are ones that have mostly been actually, yeah, all of these have been seen by others, at least. There's some Is sort of witness or... It seems like <laughs> you public. said public. Sorry, <laughs> I was just gonna call you out. All right, um, repeat that. These are all public <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, like there was somebody Ooh. who was either there if it wasn't like or it was in a house and there's friends over. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. That's cause... pretty bold though, because a lot of like stories that I hear of like abusive relationships are kept behind like closed doors and stuff right. like that. So. Like, you don't maybe know what's happening for the longest time until something slips up or someone sees something. Like, yeah, but then again, like, maybe we don't know, like, the signs. Right. Maybe I just don't know the signs of right. like, an abusive relationship, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's very difficult for everybody involved, yeah. I really feel like. Um, but, yeah, so the first incident was 
um, that we get to see John's wonderful aggression was when a fan had went up to Dominique, I guess had just seen her um, out in public and they were maybe just somewhere. I didn't really say. And they started to just like this fan went up. It was kind of cute if you think about it. And they just start saying a quote from the movie Poltergeist. So they're just like going up. It's like this creepy movie. And they start going up and like saying her line. Mm -hmm. And like how cute. Like a fan just coming. I'm like, I would literally love that stuff. I would like be like, come on more. Encore. Say it again. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, but I guess John had been either in the bathroom or something because he wasn't there at first and he came back. Um, and he actually picked the fan, like the fan up, and shook him. Pick the fan up. Yeah, he picked the oh, individual. You know how old? No, I wish I did because yep. that would have been even even though like even if it wasn't a child, I'd be like, get like off me, sir. Up somebody, <laughs> what right. are you doing? And you're shaking them because yeah. you said a line because they're just truly like they love like your girlfriend. They think you're she's awesome. Yeah. Um. So that's like one of the incidents, and then also they went to lunch. Um. It quickly after, I guess, they had met Dominic, the dad, um, but this was about the probably the second time they'd been meeting or something. It was, like, very early on in uh, Dominic getting to know John, and they met him for lunch one day, and Dominic said that he could tell, like, this is also from the article, um, that his daughter, he could tell that his daughter had been crying. So, like, it was, they showed up late to lunch, and then they could tell that Dominique had been crying so obviously something's like wrong right like why were you late and then why are you crying yeah um and so uh i also just wanted to mention the actual name of the article because like i said i'm gonna be saying this a few more times about it it's called a father's account of the trial of his daughter's killer um by vanity fair so i mean honestly if anybody has a chance to go read that it's pretty long but it's honestly it's heartbreaking it's um but also you just see how involved he was like dominic was in dominique's life like, he was just such a loving and caring father and was so in, like, the loop with everything that was going on in her life and was, she was very open with him. It was just really, it was really a true, like, you could see his, like, love for his daughter. Um, and so that's why I just wanted to quote that or, like, the title. Um, but anyway, so he recalled meeting John for the first time and he, he just said that he could sense, like, this, he was, like, much more in love with her than she is with me was a quote that I got from that article. And he was telling Lenny that, the mom, he was, like, after the lunch and all that stuff, and he was just like, I don't know, it just feels like he's, like, more in love with her and more kind of just, like, maybe obsessed with her than... They, they know their daughter, so right. they, like, know how their daughter is going to, like, react to, like, someone that she's interested in. Right. You know, and, like, her parents can see that. Yeah, and there's sometimes a different, you know, it's, it's that different level of liking somebody versus possessive. You can probably oh, yeah. pick up on those little cues of just like that's not something you'd normally do or whatever it is and so just the fact that he went to a lunch with them and just felt weird yeah. was very like says a lot about him just being very into like has a lot of intuition i guess but like just very interesting to me um but then lenny actually said whenever they were talking and he was like he said that quote or whatever she was like you're absolutely right so she also i guess had noticed yeah. this as well um so then after lunch uh dominic said that it, there was just something off about Sweeney and in quotes, it occurred to me that Dominique might have been, might have difficulty extricating herself from a person, from such a person. Sorry, messed up that quote. Extricating? Extric- extricating? Is that like removing yeah. herself? Okay. Yeah. So like he was just saying like, huh, like not that she couldn't do it, but he was like, there was just something weird about him, first of all. He seemed more into her than she was into him. And then 
seems like it's going to be harder for her to get away from him. Yeah. That, to me, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Put that girl, lock her up, don't let her out of your house. Mm -hmm. Because for her own safety, you know? It's kind of scary. Um, Also, I don't really want, like, I'm not one to put people in a jail, you know, in my house. But I was just saying, for safety, that it seems seems necessary (laughs) sometimes. I'm like, geez. Um, Okay, so then another time was when there were friends over at the couple's place and uh, they witnessed John, like, ripping chunks out of Dominique's head. I guess they'd gotten into a banter, into a fight, into some sort of argument. And he was pulling her hair. He pulled not even a strand at a time. Chunks. That makes me heated. I wish someone would. (laughs) I mean, literally, and think about how painful. Bro, no. I would probably look at this person like, you did not. Did Dominique ever, like, fight back? Um, there was no, at least in this instance, we'll get to more later, but there's no, I mean, there's no really like recalling of what she did, I guess. Um, but I'm just like, that is so like painful. That's terrible. And just these instances, like these first two were kind of just like, okay, like watch out sort of, but like, I'm just, it makes me feel so bad for her. Like that, it, it almost sounds like a flip of a switch. Yeah. Just, you know, and then it's just so unpredictable and ugh, it makes me feel so bad. So he seems, so he's like possessive personality, but now he seems to have more of like an anger issue, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from what it seems like, I'm yeah. wondering if it's just like with her or like where his anger like comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. But like not in like a like I hate you kind of way, but like this is just when I'm just around you, I'm just like just all these feelings just come right. up and I'm just so angry and it's only with her but like not with anyone else that's very interesting yeah to think about like where it's like being I guess where it's coming from yeah, yeah and then who you take it out on huh that's a very interesting thought so you'll have to let me know what you think later whenever I tell you the rest <laughs> so Dominique was making an appearance on this show called Hill Street Blues um and how convenient she was playing a role of a girl who had been abused by her mom mm. so like she was like doing some sort of like skit acting thing on this show yeah and she was supposed to be the abused person um this literally breaks my heart like when i say this because uh the makeup team didn't even have to put makeup on her to make her look like she had been punched or hit or whatever in an abusive relationship with her mom because she had already actually been uh violently like beaten up by um john and she had bruises all on her neck and you can actually look this up like i looked up a picture um because they still like they still filmed it like they saw that this girl came in the way she was looking no makeup team had to do anything to her face because she already looked beaten up and they continued to film and no one said anything no at all at least from what, like I said, from what I know, I mean, I would have just hoped that they wouldn't have filmed it on top of here. Do you need help? Like, hey, do you well, need like, help? Like, what's do going? You, like, like, literally, do you need help? Are like, you do in I a need, situation? Like, right. obviously, like, this person needs help. Like, like, ask her if she's okay. Like, what? I mean, at the very minimum, geez. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if that was done, um, but from... I just feel like that is just, it breaks my heart. And I literally, like, my stomach hurt when I was, like, reading that. And then I saw the pictures. I'm like, the fact that no makeup artist touched her face to make her have bruises on her face or her neck. And then that's what she looked like. I mean, literally, the pictures are insane. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, basically, and then this time, when all this had happened, it was five weeks before John later 
murders her. So I just want to put that into kind of a timeline perspective. Like it was getting bad. And then this was five weeks before. If it's already this bad five weeks before, I can't imagine how like worse it gets. Yeah, I, I know. It's so sad. So... There was another time that friends were over. Classic. Always got to have a witness, John, huh? Yeah. And um, he actually choked Dominique in front of them. Um, like playful, haha, I'm choking you? Or it like didn't I'm... seem like it. There was accounts from uh, the friends and they were like, what? Like they, I mean, they were there to witness it and they were like, the ones who does for... that in front of people? Like, I, I mean, yeah. In front of people. Like, and you, like, are their you... friends, the friends are like, yeah, it's super creepy, but I'm still not going to do anything. Yeah, super weird, but I'm not like the fact that you don't. Okay, so it's already a thou. I don't want to make it sound like I'm condone. I'm like I'm like letting this happen, and it's not like a big deal or anything. But behind closed doors is one thing, horrible. Still the worst thing in the entire world. But the fact that you have no self control in front of people as well. What kind of monster? I mean, literally, I think of a monster. Like he has no self control to even hold back. Like, I don't, and I don't know insane. what was happening in these moments of, like, when he decided to pull out her hair yeah. or when he decided to choke her or beat her. But to me, there's never a good reason to do any of those things. So it doesn't really matter what was happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she could have said the most horrible thing. I still think you should just walk away. Just break up. I mean, th- there you go. Um, that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. So, anyways. Anyway, so she later, she played it cool. I guess because you know again horrible to think that you're in these like almost life-threatening situations and you gotta you have to be strategic I think like in how you're doing things so I think what uh happened was after he had choked her and everything the friends later went home she went to bed like normal and she was like oh I'll be right back like I'm going to the bathroom and she snuck out of the bathroom window oh she dipped yeah she tried to escape so yeah because she was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my like she kept going back to it in her head and like knew it wasn't right i mean this girl i mean you'll you'll learn i mean she's so smart she was thinking of ways to escape she was it happened multiple times where she ran away trying to get away from him um i'm glad she's like not he didn't like brainwash her into thinking like this was okay and like this is right you're normal now like this is i'm glad she was just aware me too so how many weeks was this before like this choking incident like Mm, i think this was a little bit after um the whole thing so i mean it was less than five weeks okay it didn't really have a date but yeah no less than five weeks for sure and yeah so she escaped like she she like squeezed out of the bathroom window and then went to her car um and she planned to just go like stay at her mom's house uh i guess like they live pretty close and so um john somehow like knows i guess probably because he's keeping tabs on her even when she goes to the bathroom i would say like he probably tracked her but like they probably didn't have that technology back then but but he knew the fact that he like already knew i mean he like whenever she got in her car and everything he jumped on the hood of her car like the fact that this man was like in bed they're about to go to bed she's like i'm gonna go to the bathroom he's like okay and then he literally is outside and jumps on her the hood of her car Mm -mm. so she gets away whatever i guess he maybe fell off or something rightfully so and um she goes to her mom's house and later hears him banging on the mom's door her front door her windows everything screaming yelling get out you know whatever and she never went out. Call the cops. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, this man, you need a lot of things, but he needs a restraining order from her. But yeah. that's the first thing. Um, so anyways, he's banging, banging, banging. And she was obviously like, this is this is it. Like, this is, we're done. Like, yeah. she's, like I said, she's like fully like, okay, this is not okay. This is the final straw. So she ends it with him. 
and she actually tells John that he needs to get all of his things out of their place. Um, and she doesn't, she decides to not go back at all until everything that he had is moved out, which is again, very smart, very smart to stay away, make sure all the things are out. So he can't be like, Oh, I left something like, no, get your stuff. And then that's it. Like you're done. So, um, then when she moved back in after her, however long it took him to get his stuff out, she changed all the locks. I was about to say she better change yes! the locks. I was thinking, yes! I was like, that's the first thing no, I exactly. would have done. And so she changed all the locks. I mean, seriously, like she's like got it all down. She's like doing the thing that she ne- she needs to do. Like I feel like she's doing everything she can to protect herself, and I think that's awesome. Um, but again, just wanted to reiterate, even when people do this stuff, like they you maybe don't see it, or you maybe they maybe are trying to escape, but these people are very persistent and will continue if that's what they want to do. Yeah. Um, just wanted to make that side comment. So, shockingly enough, you know, like I said, John actually does move out his stuff, doesn't put up a fight. You Kind of shocking. <laughs> that is kind of shocking. If you're, you, he went from like 100 to zero, he's like, Like okay, he knew you I'm- were outside when you just went to the bathroom, first of all. Mm-hmm. And he's jumping on your car, banging on your parents' home. And he's like, okay, actually... I'm okay yeah. with us breaking up. <laughs> He's like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, let me get my things. Yeah, no problem know, at no all. Problem. Oh, you changed the locks? No problem. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, what? That, that just is kind of, like, odd to me that he was so chill about it almost. Yeah. Um, but don't don't worry because not too long after, he tries to reach out to Dominique. You know, the classic, want to get back together? Um, and then no. also classic in these relationships where it's the – um i didn't know what i had like i'm so sorry i've changed like um also just only been like a maybe at max a few months i mean i'm like okay how really have you changed honestly um so they had been broken up for a few months you said i was gonna say at this time when well i don't want to get there yet but basically yeah just like a, a at least a month two months you know it'd been not that long is what my point is of then he's like well i've changed i'm like what Oh. Have you really done some soul searching, sir? Um, I don't think so. Anyway, so that all just happened. So there we go. That's that's the incidents. That's the stuff. But I want to talk about October 30th um, because Dominique was at home rehearsing with David Packer, who is a fellow co-star in one of her upcoming roles that she was doing. And they were rehearsing and going through their lines together. And then John called and said that he wanted to talk to her. Um and after all this, him trying to reach out to all this stuff, I think she was finally just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, Just to again, get it over with. Yes. And it shows, again, who she is as a person. She's like, all right, I'll give you the decency, even though he doesn't deserve it. I'll still talk to you, whatever, you know? And so they actually decide she talks to them outside, which I think was smart, again, on the porch. Um, so she goes outside and meets him outside and talks to him. And David is still just, like, chilling inside. Like, he's... Just, I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. We're like, Still okay. looking over his lines or something. I guess I'll wait here. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back in whenever you're ready. I'll just be here looking at our lines. Because um, I'm like thinking at this time, I guess they had phones. But like, I'm like, you didn't play a game on your phone. Like, I don't know. Are you, like, what are you doing? They, they didn't have phones like that, Haley. <laughs> you got Candy Crush on your phone. You're just going to be chilling. I don't That's know how do. long these talks take. but um. <laughs> oh my goodness. So anyways, he's just chilling in there. And then um, uh, David... Um, actually then hears some things going on outside. Um, he hears banging, uh, smacking sounds and screaming. All right. So I think we're kind of getting to the point where we know that these sounds are probably coming from Dominique getting 
hit and things like that. And David, our boy David Packer, was also on the same page because he later calls 911 after hearing this. Oh, like instantly? Like when he starts hearing it? Yeah, because he heard banging, like all this stuff. And what a guy. Obviously, he's like, I mean, I guess to a certain... I mean, I don't know how much he knew because he's a, like just a co-worker, but I mean... It does sound not good. So, I mean, as a friend and a coworker, like, that was the right thing to do. So, I'm glad that he did that. Um, so, yeah. He was basically at this at one point just, like, so terrified um, that he left a voicemail to a friend saying that if anything happened to him that night, that it was because of John Sweeney. What? How do you just start thinking that about someone if you don't... Like, he must I have been know. known. Like, he must yeah. have like, been around Dominique so much that he just, like, right. knew what kind of right. person he was if he, like, started feeling that way. Like, yeah, and I don't know, again, how close they were or, like, you know, like, just, you know, how long they'd been doing this, like, working on this role together and rehearsing. But, I mean, yeah, it for sure sounds like... I mean, it, he doesn't think it's her. He's like, oh, this is an ex-boyfriend coming to talk. I mean, at, at the yeah. least, it's like, it maybe didn't end well, so that's why they're talking, and maybe he's like, oh, no. So, I mean... Even then, it's scary. So, yeah. No, I mean, he was scared, I guess, from the sounds and everything. Eventually, he leaves the house, um, and he sees Sweeney standing over Dominique. So, she's kind of in the bushes a little bit. Like, she kind of fell down. Yeah. And, like, not fully. I mean, I don't know. But, like, it's, like, she was around these, like, bushes, and then um, she was on the ground, and Sweeney was standing over her. So, obviously, then another scary thing. And then he... Packer, which I'm shocked if you're terrified, but this man, um, he was like, he told Sweeney that he called the cops because, um, like, uh, John was like, call the cops. Like, I, oh my gosh, like, whatever. Like, John was saying that. And then Sweeney's like, I already did. Or no, sorry, Packer was like, I already did. Mm -hmm. I already called them. And so, um, interesting, too, to know that John was like, oh my gosh, call the cops. Like, blah, blah. And then... He was saying, call the cops? Yeah. Like, like, uh, like calling the cops like on him basically. i bet like you won't do it or like no like he sounded like oh my gosh what happened call the cops he's the one that did it though i know what? that's why i feel like that's weird that is weird oh so many weird and honestly that's why i'm like this case just feels like jumbled a little bit and i feel like it, because it's just weird like yeah. this whole th- it's kind of weird to me i don't know some things don't add up but uh the cops got there and then John basically was talking to the cop and was like, uh, quote, okay, from the police. It said, man, I blew it. I killed her. I didn't think I choked her that hard, but I don't know. I just kept choking her. I lost my temper and I blew it again. What? Yeah. What? Now, let me say one thing. He blew it again? From when he was like choking her the first time with the people around her right well that's what i'm wondering i'm like again you blew it again i lost my temper and i blew it Uh, yeah i was trying to get you to think about that i don't i don't know i mean i don't know but think about that that's pretty interesting words and how you use them and what happens and when you're stressed or when in this crazy traumatic time like i mean it's all his doing but i'm like that's just makes you really think and ponder on some other things that this monster could have done. So afterwards, John said that he tried to kill himself by taking um, pills from two different pill bottles. Um, But then later on in court and things like that, there was no evidence of this. I don't know if that was a way of trying to get um, sympathy or just like get people to feel like, uh, like he was just some mess up guy, just like trying to feel bad for him. Mm -hmm. But there was supposedly no evidence of him taking any pills. Okay, so just like a recap. So like I understand 
So David, yes. the co-star, calls the cops when yes. he hears all the, the banging and hitting and all that stuff. So we, right. And he goes outside yeah. and sees what's happening. Like, And then um, Sweeney is on top of Dominique, but she's like unconscious and not moving. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, she's unconscious. Yeah. And she's like dead at that point or whatever because he choked her. We'll get there. Yes. Okay. So and then he was like, call the cops. And like, David's like, okay, I already did. And then the cops came and so Sweeney said that line to, to the police. The police. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Perfect summary. Yes. So Dominique actually wasn't dead after the strangulation. So what? But she. But he thought she was yes. dead. Okay. And what happened was, is when immediately once the cops got there, immediately like she was rushed to the hospital, um, because she was unconscious, like something was happening, and it was. Later on, she basically was in a coma this whole time and on life support because she actually was, like, brain dead. Aww. So from from being choked, um, she didn't die, but, I mean, she's in a coma yeah. and on life support. So once she was rushed to the hospital, they later see that there's bruises all over Dominique's neck from the strangulation, and it was so bad um, because of all this pressure that was in her brain that they had to put a bolt in her brain to relieve that pressure. Dang. So, like, that's just so intense. Like, thinking about how that, just all that it causes in your head, too. Like, you're being strangled on your neck, but yeah. it's causing, well, yeah. you're not like, getting, like, oxygen into your right. brain. It's, like, swelling up and, like, it makes it, like, the trauma, like, so much yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. And so, um, on November 4th, she the family had decided that since there was no progress and her brain was only beating because of the machine being used to keep her alive um they officially took her off of life support after five days of being on it and so um it was just so it's so sad she was only 22 years old she was like living her life like that's a prime time she's like working so hard um so motivated to be um you know just to do something that she She loves goals she had a career like that she worked for yeah. and like she had a life set up for right it was it's so sad and uh the the i guess the sweet or like the relieving thing of this not relieving that wasn't really probably the word but just like even in death she um was still being that kind and loving um person that her family and friends knew her as because she ended up donating her kidneys to two um different people in california and then there was someone in san francisco that she donated her heart to That's so awesome. It's just sweet to know that even though obviously we wish none of this had ever happened to her, that she was also still saving lives Mm -hmm. when she was no longer here. And I I think that was just a sweet part to add in. Um, But back to our monster, John Sweeney. What a guy, guys. What a guy. He makes me mad. Okay, so he should be facing um, the charge of first-degree murder because he literally strangled and also admitted... To killing Dominique, okay? He a said murderer. to the police, he said to the police, I killed her, okay? Do we just a want to murderer. talk about that? Yes. Anissa, say it one more time. A murderer. There we go. That's just a <laughs> really drill it in our brains. Guys, this guy's a murderer, if you did not know. <laughs> and we stand by that. We stand by it, and I will say nothing else besides that. Okay. Actually, I'm going to continue. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this random part that kind of made me mad um, that I thought would just be nice to include to make you guys mad as well with me is that the owner of the restaurant that, like, you know, John had worked for um, 
he was like standing by his side basically and was like i will get you the best lawyer possible all the stuff blah blah, blah. i'm like bro he's a sous chef get a new one please right like, like he ain't anybody that good. can cook if you teach him <laughs> so right. go ahead and just <laughs> kick this man out um so i thought that was so interesting because the owner was like the owner said that he was like I, there was like a quote it was like he's just very dependable i'm like oh Yes, that bro. You live you in know, California. There's about to be lots man, of dependable people looking for a job down there. You should just like, go ahead and be a lawyer yourself. He's dependable, so he's innocent. Innocent. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, he shows up to work on time, and I can rely on him. He is not a murderer. No. Oh, that totally proves your absolutely point. Absolutely not. Yeah. So that made no absolute sense. I was like, that's kind of random to include in here, but I was like, it also makes me mad <laughs> because I'm like, what you're de- you're defending him by saying he's dependable. Um, that means nothing to me. So, anyways. Uh, we know that Dominique was kind of murdered on October 30th, and then she officially was dead, I guess, presumed dead, on the 4th of November. So now it's August, okay? The trial starts in August of 1983. Okay. So the wildest part, John pled not guilty, let me repeat, not guilty to the first degree murder charge, and he denied assaulting Dominique. I mean, okay, I can, they always plead not guilty because they don't want to get the death penalty. So that's that. But you obviously assaulted her, you stupid man. <laughs> like, what do you how mean? How many times do we have to have a witness right. to prove you this had, man wrong? Haley listed out like five of them. Like, what do you mean? You I got mean, a witness to every single assault. Like, you you're not getting out of that. And you said to the policeman himself, I killed her. Can, can we just get it again? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like, literally what oops i was just about to say that i was trying i was like oh no focus and i was like wait um but yeah so that to me just is ridiculous because you're right i mean most people do plead not guilty whatever but you don't have that evidence against them sometimes like we do with him especially him literally verbally saying that he killed her yeah so i don't know but so somebody who is an important part of any trial typically but especially this trial is the judge um judge burton s katz um, he was a famous, uh, for prosecuting, uh, Charles Mason. Oh. Uh, so that's kind of something that makes him a little bit more like known, I guess, but just keep him in the back of your mind because your girl will be coming back to him very, very, very soon. Um, I thought it was interesting that during the trial, they actually brought one of, um, like Sweeney's ex-girlfriends because you mentioned earlier, Ah, I wonder if this has been something like, does he just put it toward her? Is it just like a thing? But her name's Lillian Pierce, and she actually went on the stand and was, you know, like being questioned and everything. I mean, she was like fully open about it. Um, And she actually uh, recalled the violent past that her and John had, that she had endured with John. Um, He assaulted her on 10 occasions, um, and... She was hospitalized twice Dang. from that. Um, she had a broken nose, a collapsed lung, a perforated eardrum, and so many more wounds that, like, it's literally insane. Um, so Lillian said that also something literally that makes him a monster is that when John would get mad and lose control, he would foam at the mouth. What? Doesn't that just like give what, you the worst animal? feeling? That's yeah, creepy. Very animalistic. I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, that it goes back to like literally animals. Like yeah. maybe okay, not a monster. Sorry, he's a straight up wild animal. A wild animal. Like not even a cute kind. Okay. <laughs> no. Not a cute. I mean, what kind of wild animals do you think are cute, Haley? Well, like, wolves are cute. Yeah, you you go up to a wolf and wolf not and like, oh, the wild and yeah. be like, come here, wolfie. 
how I talk to my dog. Sorry, I talk to a wolf. That's scary. Yeah, no, but I mean, literally, what? Like, so crazy. So I feel like that was probably a really good way of showing the world that this wasn't just a one-time thing. Like, there was some... It's not just the girl. It's not just the... It's literally, he's just like this to all girlfriends, I guess. Um, so, Judge Katz, this lovely man. Um, I say that we with sarcasm. Like, oh, we don't like no. him. No. Okay. He <laughs> seemed to favor John Sweeney during the trial. And let me give you a few instances oh, no. of this. So, um, first... Uh, John actually wasn't put on trial for the first degree murder charge. He was not going to be charged for that at all. He was going to be charged for second degree or manslaughter um, because the judge thought that there wasn't significant evidence to convict him for first degree. Why? Because he has no brain. Is is John? Is he cute or something? Like, is he like a Ted Bundy kind of person? You know, like, that is a very good question. Because what are you doing to charm these people? And right. to literally, you're crazy. You you literally, there's so much evidence. I yeah. feel like, I mean, maybe not like straight up in your face, like on paper, but like, I feel like what the cop heard, especially, I keep going back to that because I'm like, what in the world is this man doing? How is he getting by? Yeah. So the judge favored him. Whatever. So that was one of the things. Also. When the ex-girlfriend, you know, Lillian was speaking uh, about their, you know, past relationship and all the things, um, John had actually become so enraged because he has no self-control that he jumped up from his seat and took off toward the judge's chamber and holding cell. Like, I don't know if he was trying to, like, leave through the door or what, but it just said that then the people, like, the guards had been called and, like, you know, pinned him down and got him back to be under control um, and back in his seat or whatever. And after this outbreak, uh, he apologized, like John had apologized, I guess. And the judge accepted his apology and said, quote, we know what strain you are under, Mr. Sweeney. Oh, my goodness. What? Oh, like literally. What? It just makes me so mad because this just goes back to all of the sexual assault things that you hear about and all of the abusive relationships where it's like, this makes me think that the judge thinks it's it's always... It's always the girlfriend's fault. Oh, the girlfriend must have provoked him. Or yeah. And yeah, he didn't say that directly. Like, I don't think. But it makes you think about those things. I'm like, what makes him favorable when all of the evidence is going against this man? Like, yeah. you would think. Um, like, he has no way of defending. I don't know how you defend yourself after that. And if, like, the judge feels, like, some type of way about Sweeney and, like, favoring him or whatever, like, this is a trial, right? So mm-hmm. there's, like, a jury. And, like, yeah. imagine how, like, the jury is going to be influenced by, like, how the judge is treating him. And, like, if the judge right. is, like, not being impartial, how right. can the jury be impartial? Yeah. And, I mean, he has so much power. He literally just took out a charge of first-degree murder, which I really think he should have gotten, like, wholeheartedly. I think that is the charge he should be getting. Yeah. But the jury has no no option anymore to even... Like, what they're what they're now going to be voting for is if he gets manslaughter or a second degree or... or he's guilty yeah so that already limits them to begin with because he's favored him Mm -hmm. so i just think that's very interesting like it's wild and i can't even imagine what the family and the friends are feeling of dominique because that is just probably yes it's not i don't feel like i need to be getting the revenge on somebody when they've done me wrong but in terms of the justice system they need to be doing so much more than what they did in this case like definitely very corrupt in that way in my opinion and it makes me just so sad for that family um so, on September 23rd in 1983, so, well, you know, that August was a trial, and then September, 
um, of the same year. The jury deliberated for eight days after they had gone through this whole trial. They deliberated for eight days. And the verdict was guilty of voluntary manslaughter and misdemeanor assault. Hmm. So I kind of want to break a few things down because I needed to remind myself and get a little refresher on what certain like these charges are. Um, so I thought it would maybe be helpful for you guys as well if you, you know, needed a reminder like me um, to remind you how little this sentence is compared to what John Sweeney deserves. Like, I mean, he literally deserved it. Um, manslaughter is the unlawful killing this is from www.dictionary.com okay (laughs) i just want to put that out there this is not my my definition it's the actual definition manslaughter the unlawful killing of a human being without premeditated desire to harm them or inflict suffering on another so you off you're unlawfully killing someone without premeditation basically like you didn't you didn't know you didn't plan to do this for example if you are driving over like if you're going like a hundred and something miles per hour on the highway and you're with someone and you get into a car accident and kill someone that's involuntary manslaughter yes so thank you for that example (laughs) because yes no yeah it's you didn't mean to it wasn't a plan it just happened um the so then voluntary manslaughter because I was just manslaughter. Voluntary manslaughter refers to when the accused when the accused person kills an individual but is deemed to have been provoked by the victim as the heat of passion mm, I, during an altercation. Ooh, I can't stand heat of passion. I've learned about heat of passion so much through all my criminology classes. Uh-huh. And I can't stand it because I could I can't just I can never, like, get to the point where I'm just so angry. I'm just so in the moment where yeah. I just feel like I need to take someone's life. Like, uh, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't. Again, it's literally like you, someone can say the worst thing to you. No one deserves or no one should ever feel the need to kill somebody. Like, right. no one deserves that. No. Um, I mean, this man deserves a lot, okay, okay? <laughs> but, I mean, I wouldn't go and kill him, you yeah. know? And so... I just thought the voluntary part adds this, again, reiterates what I was saying about, like, Judge Katz, of how it almost, they said, has been provoked by the victim. Like, he, like okay, so, again, something very abstract that you can't super prove. Like, you can't really prove that, like, if he's been provoked by her before he strangled her to yeah. death. But I just thought that was so wild to me that that is such a less sentence than first degree murder, which is literally what it is, is planning. So the premeditation to kill. That's simple what it is. I feel like they would have had enough evidence. And, you know, here I am inserting my opinion. This actually is my opinion this time. But like, sure, it's hard to it's it's really hard in court cases to prove like premeditation. But with all of their history and all these things again i don't know how documented it was but that was a lot of times and so for him to already have choked her in the past yeah this past ex-girlfriend going to the hospital to me sometimes i think that you could have probably found something to make that premeditation and if not second degree murder would be then the case because that's the same thing except without premeditation yeah the way i'm like thinking about it right now how they could just be like okay it's not first degree murder because you did say it's like it's hard to prove right i'm thinking like while he like was going up to dominic's house you know to have that conversation um and talk to her he didn't have any intentions of killing her maybe like he was going to abuse her but he right. didn't think he was gonna kill her but like maybe somewhere during that conversation she said something that really upset him and like really like got him in the heat of the moment and that's when he just couldn't take it anymore yeah but he didn't he maybe he never thought he was going to but he did say what he did say to that policeman about 
did it again or yeah. went too far again or whatever. So I don't know. Like, I don't know how that wasn't enough to like be premeditation, but maybe because it wasn't put into evidence that it could be used. Right. Yeah. And that it's a very, that's a very good point. And again, like, yeah, it really depends on what you have in the situation. And I totally get how premeditation is harder to use. Like I get that and to prove, but I, yeah, I'm just like voluntary manslaughter to me is just such a lesser charge that it just really frustrates. Like it really, really frustrates me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what happened there. And the sentencing, you just do you just want to hear the maximum sentence for yeah. his crimes? Yeah, what do you get? Oh, yeah. Six and a half years. Six and a half years? Yeah, six years for man- voluntary manslaughter. Uh, six months for the misdemeanor, like the assaulting. Oh, goodness gracious. And I just want to remind everybody that he had to have choked her for at least, at least four minutes. Yes, she um, did not fully die but she was brain dead um and it had to have been to me this is where the premeditation everybody just you let me know what you think but again not not proven it's just my opinion this is when i think premeditation could have come in you're holding your hands on this person's neck for at least four minutes you don't think you could have taken them off at one point and been like this is about to kill her that's when that's why people like just use the heat of the moment thing that's how people use oh! it that's what that's that's what makes what he's doing you know that because like oh it's a heat of the moment i need to learn more about this stuff because i'm kind of learning this as i'm going through this and i'm like yeah. i mean i've never typically it's like they are either guilty or they're not but i've never had this much of like oh he got this lesser sentence than this so i'm learning a lot in that mm-hmm. and just the little things you can do to get something else yeah. I, oh my gosh so anyways, he was sent to a medium security prism, prison prison prism. <laughs> in Susanville, California. Um, and guess what, though? He had a whopping six and a half years of just, oh, my gosh, so long of a time for killing somebody. But he actually only ended up serving three years. Right, seven months serve. and never. 27 days. You never serve the full thing. I'm going to say never. I'm not going to say never. Murderers should always serve. They should always, but you know. Anyways. justice system, but we're not going to go on that. (laughs) Yep. He was paroled in September of 1986. And three months after getting out of prison, he actually got hired um, at uh, this place called The Chronicle in Santa Monica. And it was a very upscale restaurant. Confused again how he got this. I need to get this. And he was hired as a head chef at an upscale restaurant called The Chronicle. Yep. They're like, we're just not going to... It's okay if you can check the no box on... Did you commit a felony? <laughs> uh, yeah. Choke someone. Oops. Nope. That's a misdemeanor. Yeah. Fine. Oh, my gosh. So then... <laughs> it's not really a misdemeanor, guys. <laughs> the best thing that happens is the family, you know, stinking poor, uh, like, Dunn's family, Dominique's Dunn's family, like, they all protested outside of this restaurant, and signs would say things like, the food you, w- the food you eat tonight was cooked by the hands that killed Dominique Dunn. And so, like, they were just, like, outside of this restaurant, like, staying out there. And I was like, you know what? Give me a sign. (laughs) Give me a sign. I'll be there. Like, oh, my gosh. So, eventually, John's like, oh, I've just had it. I just can't do this. And so, he quits. And then he moves out of L.A. So, in the Vanity Fair article, Dominic talks about um, this this doctor in Florida who, like, had read his article. um, And he reaches out to the family. And he starts – he's like – this sounds a lot like my daughter's fiance. 
this man that you're talking about in this article. What? Um, and turns out the Dunn family called the fiance and let her know who this man is because it was John Sweeney that was engaged to this doctor in Florida's daughter. What? I don't know if he lived in Florida or like, I mean, if he, she lived in Florida, he moved out of LA, but he was engaged to someone. Is this person still alive? I don't know. <laughs> oh, bro, that makes me think, you know, like, if, if this person's not alive, that's who, that's the other person that he killed. Yeah. Well, ah. I, yeah, yeah. It's literally, well, the crazy thing, he kind of goes off the grid because, so after he, John, like, ends up changing his name to John Mara, um, and then he moved to the Pacific, Pacific Northwest. So basically, like, the Dominic Dunn, he, he got a private investigator to actually figure out like if he had moved out of California or not and that's how we know that he did mm -hmm. but then after that he kind of just went off the grid I mean there were some articles I saw about like where he was now I didn't I didn't really know how like for real everything was um so I didn't include it but uh yeah you guys should do some digging and see where this man is now because he's out of prison and he's living his he's been living his life for years now that's crazy and someone's life was taken and he's still out there living his and having a potential family and having all these things that Dominique did Do they not know get where in. he's living now? No, the the last I like I said that I heard was the Pacific Northeast. I mean Northwest. So he moved out of California and I'm like, "Where are you at, sir?" Don't come to Springfield cuz we're sitting here up here talking about you. I know, I'm like <laughs> we can have a little conversation. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I, I, <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, but basically, I mean, that was it. I just feel like this was a very interesting case. Like I said, it was like a all roundabout weird stuff happening, and then some of yeah. it, I'm like, how did you get away literally with murder? And then it, very interesting, and I just, my heart goes out to the family, and like I said earlier, and just having to deal with all this, I mean, just the unsettling feeling of the fact that your daughter's murder is still out there living. It just, yeah. I can't even imagine, like, what that would feel like, and so... I don't know, it's just kind of like a tribute to them and their family, but also just to bring awareness to, you know, the real ab abuse and the consequences of that and just this the sad things that all go in with it. And, yeah, I just think that more people need to be knowledgeable about that stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, so. I thought it was great. Like, not great, but, like, Yeah, it's always very... weird to compliment it. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, like, like you said, just like bringing awareness to like, it's like, this is like not a like, I like I was just straight to the point, you know, yeah. like this is what happened, but like, it wasn't like a mystery. It was like, right. here's what happened. And this is like wrong. And this yeah. needs to be like, like there was something that came out of this that we can all just think about and like right. reflect on, you know, yeah. that was cool. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, this was, we also did a poll on Instagram and just seeing if you guys wanted more high profile or like, you know, kind of the you know, smaller, you know, town store you know cases or whatever but this was kind of i mean i guess it in, kind of included I somebody mean, who's famous but yeah it's but not like very not something common. like we like people like really us, like, know, know about. about you know right yeah i've never even heard of this before so um yeah so like if you guys like did do that poll and like want to talk a little bit more about like what you guys are interested in feel free to like dm us if you're yeah. like wanting to talk a little bit more about like true crime or like if you want to know um just like more of those like statistics and yeah. just terminology that we're like using and like stuff like that and if you want us to like do some really creepy stories if you're into that like let us know because yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> i'm here for it all so 
I yeah, but I hope you guys enjoyed in a weird way, kind of because you know. Yeah, murdering enjoy. is bad when we don't like it like that, but like we love it, but we don't like it. So, yeah, like, it helps us learn a lot. Yeah, and I really did learn a lot from this case. Like I said, I needed a refresher, so um, I'm interested to just continue digging into that. Um, but yeah, so next time it'll be Anissa's turn, and yeah, super yeah. excited. Yeah, so go ahead and just follow us at on our Instagram at a underscore bottle underscore of underscore of crime. Yeah, and continue to give us a listen, share with your friends. Share with your friends, guys. We know people out there are some true crime lovers like us, and we would just love to continue to build our little community. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Peace out.